Welcome to a JPEN podcast. My name is Kelly Toppenden, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Parenteral and Enteral Nutrition and Human Nutrition Endowed Professor at the University of Illinois. This month, we are joined by Dr. David Galloway, who is with the Division of Gastroenterology, Hepatology, and Nutrition at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. And we're going to discuss his paper titled Increased Anti-Flagellin and Anti-Lipopolysaccharide Immunoglobulins in Pediatric Intestinal Failure, Associations with Fever and Central Line-Associated Bloodstream Infections. Welcome, Dr. Galloway. Uh, Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Tell us about the impetus for conducting this work. What was your driving factor? Sure, I'd be glad to. So, children with intestinal failure is the clinical focus that I have as being a physician in the GI department. And these children often deal with central line infections. And what I mean by that is these children are, for the most part, a majority of them, uh, have need of a central access, venous access, so like a long-term IV for parental nutrition to some degree, meaning nutrition through the IV. And uh, anytime they develop a fever, these children have to automatically be seen in the emergency room and then admitted for a 48-hour period uh, in order to rule out a bacterial infection that may or may not be involving that line or that venous access. And so this work came about with um, being able to come up with a biomarker that, or biomarkers that might help us distinguish between a child that has a fever that's coming from a viral source versus a child that has a fever that is truly bacterial in nature and would warrant admission to the hospital. Very, very interesting. I can see how that would be such an advance for those kids and for cost. Now, tell us, for those who may not be familiar with the biomarkers, antiflagellin and antilipopolysaccharide immunoglobulins, how would those be related then to viral versus bacterial? Sure. So flagellin and lipopolysaccharide are actually components that are present in many bacteria. A flagellin can be found in both gram-positive and gram-negative types of bacteria, while LPS or lipopolysaccharide is mostly found in just gram-negative bacteria. And these components are exposed, and even in healthy individual, continuously to the intestinal GI tract, and we have the ability to regulate those. But it's been found that in children with intestinal failure, they have an increased exposure due to a number of factors, including the intestinal epithelial lining uh, dysfunction and increased permeability. So they see these products to a greater degree. Okay, very good. Tell us about your methodology then. How did you go about testing your hypothesis? So this study was actually a post hoc analysis, meaning that a year prior to this study being done, the original study involved the same group of patients and controls in which they were also looking for biomarkers for the same reason. And then after the fact, as I was reviewing the data from that study and the samples that were left over, I proposed that we look at 
also flagellin and lipopolysaccharide uh, together with my mentor and see if those would be potential biomarkers. And so this is a retrospective analysis of the remaining samples from that initial study. We went ahead and because those samples had been obtained in three different time points, so we obtained serum in children controls. We had 11 controls and we had 13 uh, children with intestinal failure. Um, we obtained serum at baseline, meaning at time and point where they were not infected or had a febrile episode. It had to be within 60 to 90 days from their first uh, febrile episode. The second time point was obtaining serum at the time of a fever. And then the third and final time point was obtaining serum following treatment for a confirmed bacterial infection, which was 10 days following treatment. And then we compared all of these findings in a paired fashion for analysis. Okay. And summarize your results for us. The first thing we found was that baseline, meaning in the absence of a febrile episode or infection, at baseline, children with intestinal failure do have increased levels of anti-flagellin and anti-lipopolysaccharide antibodies, specifically IgA, as compared to healthy controls that do not have intestinal failure. And that just confirms what we already knew that has been supported in the literature with children with children and adults, for that matter, with intestinal failure, that these children, these patients have a systemic kind of um, exposure increase from that of the healthy individual. Uh, that was the first thing we found. The second thing we found was that in regards to these antibodies, being able to distinguish a febrile bacterial episode from a febrile viral episode, that they were not able to do that. The closest that we were able to achieve was that anti-flagellin IgA antibody did increase with fever in children with intestinal failure. However, upon a treatment, it did not go back down or did not decline as it should, and this was not significant statistically to be a reliable clinical marker. So it sounds like you're still in search of a potential biomarker. Yes, we are continuing to be in search. There are several limitations and a little bit of a surprise result that we found. You know, whenever you're dealing with a smaller sample size, that can be difficult to find a significance or a study that's powered to find the result you're looking for, especially in a retrospective fashion. But one of the surprises we found in this study was the children that have intestinal failure in our study, there was 13 of them. Half were on some kind of already a cycled regimen to prevent what we call bacterial overgrowth, which is another entity separate from what this study was looking at that uh, can cause symptoms in these children. And those children, meaning those children with intestinal failure that were on this cycled regimen, had increased levels of these antibodies compared to the other children with intestinal failure not on such a regimen. And to us, that was revealing for several reasons that we're now looking into more closely. That is very interesting. So why do you think that's the case? So these children with intestinal failure, in addition to having kind of intestinal lining dysfunction, increased permeability, have higher rates of bacterial overgrowth and have higher rates of bacterial translocation. And so one of the things that we were proposing as a hypothesis as to why these antibodies were elevated within the intestinal failure group for those that were taking these cycled antibiotics are twofold. One, are we the antibiotics were targeted towards anaerobes and, and those those type of bacteria do not readily translocate. And so one of the hypotheses was are we suppressing the quote unquote good bacteria and leaving 
behind those that are more readily able to translocate, and are they doing that? And, and by so doing, are we seeing a greater degree of these antibody form being formed? The bacterial products in flagellin and lipopolysaccharide are being seen more and recognized more? Or is it just the fact that treating them with these cyclantibiotics, we are actually killing off some of these bacteria, and because of that, part of the lysine of the bacteria, these products in flagellin and lipopolysaccharide are being also recognized. So those are the two main hypotheses that we were thinking about. That's an interesting insight into how to deal with that really difficult problem in these kids. This is very interesting because one of the clinical dilemmas that we have is that these children, like I had mentioned before, often do um, suffer from bacterial overgrowth, and it's very common, but it's very hard clinically to distinguish sometimes the symptom that is caused by that entity versus some of their baseline symptoms. And of course, one of the products from having presumed overgrowth is being exposed to antibiotics sometimes unnecessarily. And so if we're able to pursue a way to diagnose that better and understand that entity better, then that would be very helpful clinically, in addition to, of course, trying to find a biomarker for central line associated bloodstream infections. That's very good. You know, one of the things I think is so important in these kids with intestinal failure is really trying to even understand what the community profile for the microbiota is. And and then we've got all of the antibiotic use, as you're saying. So I think that that outcome, which you weren't necessarily expecting, is really important. I look forward to seeing the follow-up paper on that. Thanks for talking about your work with us today. I would like to encourage all of our listeners to go to the July issue of the Journal of Parenteral Nutrition and read the paper by Dr. Galloway and their colleagues for these important data. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.